with Authors fans, we have some pretty big news from your host here, Erica Lance. We are moving to change the format of the show to be one episode. So there's a few episodes that record the old way that we're doing the new way. And that's what you're listening to. So thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we love having you as fans. On to the show. This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. <clears throat> Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors. I am your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the amazing Danielle Orsino. And our guest today is Hollis Joe McCullough. Did you freeze? Uh, That's okay, Hollis. How you doing? (laughs) Oh, I froze. Go to Team, that's the kind of day I'm going to have today. It's okay. It's fine. Um, let's talk about what we're drinking. So I am drinking Beach Haven Vin- Vineyards Winery Blackberry Wine. Um, I found it in my fridge. I hope it's still good. Um, and then I'm drinking it at... Oh, no. That's okay. She'll come back, believe me, and she'll tell us all about what she's drinking and how what she's drinking it out of. Okay. So we'll, we'll get back there in a second. But um, I, I'm not I'm not that fancy, but I'm fancy in what I drink it out of. I'm just drinking clearly Canadian water, oh. raspberry, but I'm drinking it out of my my dragon goblet that mm-hmm. Erica actually got me for Christmas. So, Beautiful. You know, yes, Beautiful. I have to fancy schmancy even though I'm just drinking sparkling water Hollis what are you drinking today well I uh I am I am also going non-alcoholic today uh I am drinking my very pretentious London cup of tea that I order from the fucking UK and um out of my uh my other writers me mug because I am also a pole dancer so (laughs) we're gonna get into that we're gonna have to get into that and I am I am far too proud of it so please do yes (laughs) Now, for everybody who doesn't know, what exactly do you write? So I'm a fantasy um, adventure novelist. Uh, I have two fantasy um, novels out presently, and I'm have I'm publishing my third, which is the sequel to the first one, To Save a World, um, this spring, April. As long as I get my shit together, should be on track. And and so uh, yeah, yeah, gonna gonna do that. And I've done some short stories. And like before, I started writing books. I was academically published in a bunch of shit. But oh. I don't think about that. I you know it's not. Oh okay, we just, we just well. I mean, it's fine. Aside. It's fine. We can talk about it. It's history is really cool. I like it. But hey, but. Jonathan oh, Mayberry was first published doing a book on bowling. By the way, my internet decided to jump providers and i i got starlink but i got a like a really run down version of starlink and for some reason my computer connected to that at first so i was like why is the computer unstable that's why oh. but it, anyway i'm back i don't know if you guys heard what i'm drinking it's blackberry wine we're moving on um jonathan mayberry actually his first book he published was a book on bowling because he was dating somebody who ran the physical education for a college and I think we should find this book and make him sign it. So 
probably. Where did you where did you get your root? Where did you what was your first published awesomeness that was not fiction, obviously? So my first published uh, work is actually, you could still go to my alma mater university, Kennesaw State University in Kennesaw, Georgia, and uh, and pick it up. It, it was a guidebook for study abroad in Italy, uh, which I um, created my own internship because, you know, when you're doing your degree, blah, blah, you have to do an internship at the end. And they have some available, but I don't want to do any of those. Like I was looking at them as like, I don't want to do any of these. Like these are all like not my thing. And um, I'm my specialization was in um, the ancient ancient Mediterranean, particularly the Etruscans of Italy. And so I there was a study abroad program to Italy, which I'd already been on once, which was wonderful. And I just went to the head of the department and I was like, so listen, instead of me doing those things, can I do this and I'll like create my own internship and I'll write a guidebook for the study abroad program instead for my internship? Because I, at the time I was proficient in Italian, not so much now I'm half Italian, but like the proficiency has gone way downhill. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And they, and they were like, yeah, present. So I created, I created an internship, uh, which they still have in existence today um wow. still basic parameters the guidebook notwithstanding and um uh, and my first published thing was um right before I graduated university the guidebook for study abroad Italy like talking about where they should go on field trips and you know all the basics wow. like how to order tickets what to watch out for safety and like how to f- navigate trains when everything's late all the time because it's Italy yeah. <laughs> very cool yeah so that that was my first time I was ever published so wow, when you did that, how was that? Because obviously that's different than a novel, mm-hmm. right? You were doing it for a specific purpose, but what was it like when you were published and you had the book and all of that? I thought it was the coolest thing ever, you know, like, because as a, like, like most writers, I of course wanted to write ever since I was a little kid and I like did little short story contests and blah, blah, blah. But actually having like a physical entity that you created, you like birthed from your mind and, and then, and then somebody, somebody cared enough to like bind it and put a cover on it. And like, oh, that was, that was special. That was special. Like, I wish, I mean, I'm, it was way before smartphones and um, social media. So like, I can't, I can't say that it was, that I have pictures because I don't anymore. I know I took a picture, but I don't know where that film camera photo has gone unfortunately you still have the book or no I don't have my copy anymore I can go to the university and get one which I I mean I I actually still live in I I, I've moved around a bit and that's how the book got lost my copy because like when you're moving between states and countries (laughs) I also lost my printed degree I don't have that (laughs) well it sounds like a trip to our lovely friends over at the university should happen in order to get both these items, the printed and a copy of your guide. They, yeah, I should, I should do that. I'm also, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. They, they, they asked me the last time I went, they were like, well, you, they want, I mean, and I love my alma mater. I was happy. I went to school there and I actually worked on the campus as an immigration officer for seven years. But then when I was like, Hey, can I get a copy of that thing that I wrote? And, and also can I like get another copy of my degree? Cause I just, and lost it they were like oh yeah give us like three hundred dollars 
That was uh, like new. Did you look on eBay? That's what I would say. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, it was only printed by the university so to be used by like basically as a textbook because I um you know because I, I even got like, Italian phrases they would need and stuff. So like you can't get it outside of I the would university. Check eBay and I would check textbooks.com because as much yeah, as half.com the university oh, yeah. somebody is selling that shit they had to pay a lot of money for somewhere. Yep. You can get a copy. I can get a copy. I have to. I have to give it F. a shot. Com. Give it a shot. We'll see. Because I mean, honestly, it's still that information is still useful today for people trying to get around Italy. The public transport still stands. <laughs> no, I think that is sort of like the most creative thing I've heard as far as like doing internships at yeah. colleges. That is really brilliant. Oh, well, thank you. Fun. Yeah. And so then you wrote a bunch of technical stuff for how many years before you finally went? Okay, I'll publish fiction. Okay, fine. I'll publish it. I'll publish. Well, and I was always a huge nerd, like many writers. Like I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons and that sort of thing ever since I was, I don't know, nine, 10, something like that with my siblings and my my best friend. And my very first book that was published, uh, the, you know, fantasy novel was actually based on a and d game that I played with my best friend. So that's like, I, I just translated it because th those things don't directly translate. So I always did all that stuff. Um, Though the the technical stuff was, I mean, I I really I published like little things here and there because obviously when you're getting a history degree you have to publish things to like be credible. I don't know, <laughs> and um little little short like articles on on the Etruscans and um which frankly weren't horribly difficult to get published because there aren't many people who study the Etruscans and the like little random journals were like, oh, the Etruscans. Yeah, we want that content. That's like better than another ancient Greek article. Let's do, <laughs> you know, let's do that. And um, so, yeah, I have a, I have a few things around, but um, it took like, let me think. So I started, uh, okay, how old am I? Okay, so I started writing my first, I started sitting down actually writing my first fantasy novel in 2008. And I just was inspired to. I always liked writing and I loved that game and I had no intention to publish. I didn't, I was like, I just really loved this game. It was super fun. I'm gonna write it down because I like writing. And so I wrote it down and then I had friends and family read it. And then every single one of them told me, you need to publish this. And I said, oh, all right then. And so, and so I, you know, did that and it was published for the first time in 2017. Um, yeah. So it, that's nine years. So you, you wrote it and then nine years later you published it. Right. Well, I did. It took me four years to write it. Got it. Okay. So, because I was I'm not, not great at the maths, and I'm super not great at the maths when I've had any wine yet whatsoever. So, let's. Danielle has to keep me straight on the math. She's you're you're good. I'm bad at the maths too, and also I didn't give you like the full. I had I had blanks in there. I didn't tell you how long it took me to write it, so you were fine. That was correct with the okay. nine year difference. For the first good, time, Erica. let's let's note that down in the calendar, Danielle. I did <laughs> the math correctly for the first time. Check. On <laughs> we're, we're, we're only a couple minutes in Erica you know. listen I'm gonna take it where I can find it okay That's right. good job you did a great job. job I'm proud <laughs> what was the publishing route you went when did you go query did you find an agent how did that how did that work um I went 
into chaos, I think is the correct terminology. Um, so like many first time authors, I had no idea what I was doing. Like no, no clue. Uh, you know, you you just like, and, and especially since my original intention wasn't to publish, it was just like to write something down. I just was like, all right, I don't know. And so I just started Googling shit and when you Google shit, the first thing that comes up are a bunch of vanity press things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I was, and I, and I filtered through most of those pretty well, um, but I will say, and I was, you know, of course I had the dream of being traditionally published, which I think most authors do, you know, especially in the beginning. Um, and, uh, I, I was, I was querying, crazy and that's why it took like from from 2012 which is when I finished it which I did get it copyright written righted like I got the the U.S. Congress Library of Congress copyright like immediately mm -hmm. because I was like like I mentioned I was I was at the time I was actually still working as an immigration officer so I at least knew enough about legal things to be like nobody's gonna steal my intellectual property I'm taking care of this right now and so I, I did that before I even started querying. Okay. Um, so that was, that was at least, and I know it's not necessary, but it sure makes me feel better. So I do it. And, but well, it's yeah. necessary if you want to sue, see a lot of people don't realize you can absolutely, when you post your uh, manuscript anywhere, like when you upload it and you can even take a screenshot with the date and like, I uploaded it on this day to this system, like, Amazon, wherever the hell, if you want to self-publish, right? Which mm -hmm. is fine. I wasn't saying that in a derogatory term, but there, you just track that you did that, right? And you can mail yourself a copy of the printed works, or if you have a file tag, like there's so much that goes, yes, you wrote it. It's whether or not, and I'm only highlighting this because a lot of people don't get it. If mm -hmm. you have to go after somebody for utilizing your works, or making a screenplay of it, or creating a video game, yep. or whatever, blah, 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 many things somebody could do with your shit. Mm -hmm. If you don't copyright it at the U.S. Copyright Office for the United States, and there are other places internationally, but you can also do it at the U.S. Copyright Office for international things to prove that you have a certificate with that particular piece of written information, pictures, drawings, all kinds of things you can copyright so that if somebody does something, you can sue them. Otherwise, it gets very difficult and very messy to actually do a lawsuit. So you're not incorrect yep. in doing that, just in case somebody gets excited and decides to steal your shit. Yeah, yeah, no, they can't. I am I am locked because I am, it's not only my, the words are not only my intellectual property, but I designed the cover. I did the page layout. I'm, I'm, I'm a designer as, as you know, I, I not didn't go to school for that, but like, Part of what paid for a lot of groceries in school was doing freelance art on the side. So, you know, like Princess Leia and the gold bikini was extremely lucrative for me in college. Like there are a lot of, there are a lot of those drawings out there, but, and also as an artist, that's another reason why I copy wrote my work because my, um, my brother-in-law is a comic book artist and my sister is a pop very popular cosplayer, um, uh, Heather after cosplay now at the time she was a, um, H Chan, but you know, whatever, like way back in the nineties, she was like one of the number one cosplayers in the nation anyway. Um, but they had had 
they have their own website and all this other stuff. And they had had a couple of their pieces stolen by some random band in New Jersey that used their artwork on their CD cover. Oh. And of course had no rights no. to do that and you know didn't give them even credit or anything ah. and like and the whole thing is if the band had contacted them and asked for permission and paid them appropriately there wouldn't have been any trouble but of course they wow. you know but that that's another like I was that lawsuit had you know they won their lawsuit no no contest it was you know the the band was they they were honestly just being completely clueless people like they didn't realize that they couldn't just take pictures off the internet and plot and then paste it on their cd cover and start selling it um but yeah that stuff it's very it's really important in all in all creative endeavor it's like if you made something that's yours copyright that shit like do it because because it you know some some random people out in the world might even try to use it and, and then and then you are out like you are at recognition, which is the most important mm -hmm. thing, possibly some money. Yep. Well, that, yeah. And I was going to say, I think the biggest thing is not only money, you know, of course money, but I feel the biggest thing is if somebody else is getting the notoriety for what you wrote, yes. that's mm -hmm. where I want to exactly. jump somebody. I'm like, no, I, I, I did that. Thank you. I yeah. know that because I had to trademark drinking with authors because somebody decided to make a day drinking with authors. Oh shit. You're going to get a season mm -hmm. to sweater it's coming just waiting for the official trademark to come through because I was like you are kidding me right mm -hmm. like uh, anyway oh dumb people so okay why did you decide to take history I just gotta ask I loved history in high school oh, nice. you know but what made you decide to go down the history route because I feel like um that's one of those degrees very much like um uh uh, uh, English degree and stuff that has two, two basic things you can do. You can either be a teacher or work in a museum. Like, I feel like those are your two options. Am I incorrect in that assessment? You're not entirely incorrect. I'll be really honest with you. <laughs> that is pretty much, that's pretty much it. Well, um, I was a huge, as a child, like I wanted to be Indiana Jones, uh, first and foremost, I was not a princess child at all, ever. Like, Disney princesses have got, there's nothing wrong with them, but as a little kid, that was not my jam. I, I wanted to be like the prince in the movies. I, I loved the Disney movies, but I was not interested in the princesses. I was interested in the other people doing, having the adventure <laughs> most of the time. Um, cause then the, you know, again, my job, I'm, I'm 41 or well, no, I'm 40. I'll be 41 in, in a couple months, but you know, whatever we skip after a while. So I, I, I got the Disney movies before girl power for the most part. And well, well, uh, I, I agree. I mean, it's kind of like my heroes were princess Leia and Ripley. From yeah, Ripley. Yeah. 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 Those are, it's kind of like when Jennifer Lawrence went on and said, you know, first action. And I was like, um, <laughs> no, she wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, appreciate you love hunger games but you should actually You're a little wrong google something before yeah. you start talking on twitter it'd be but. you know a few, a few decades off off beat with that but that's fine it's fine it's fine but uh, but yeah i love indiana jones love it love yeah, it and so i just wanted to do that and i always and just going coming up through school i like history was 100 my favorite subject 
I was, uh, like I said, my mother, my mother is, she's, she's, um, you know, she's an American, but 100% by blood, she's Italian, and her parents are, they came over as children, but they're first generation in the US. So we're very connected to the Italian roots. Um, and, uh, you know, just all of that. I was really, so I was particularly interested in Italy. And then I discovered that the Etruscans existed, and I just felt a special connection with them. And, when it came time, I originally at university for the first year started declared education major as a freshman because I figured I want to teach history. But then as a as an education major, uh, I, I like one year in, I realized really quickly that I did not want to teach children because the mm -hmm. education majors are for like, you know, your elementary through high school ed, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to teach any of these kids. Like, I don't want to deal with that shit. I want to, I don't, I don't need their hormones. I don't need their BS. I don't need it. I don't need it. And so I was like, I want to teach adults history. And to do that, I actually need a history degree. I don't need this bullshit education. Okay. Education degrees aren't bullshit. They're very valid. But in my case, it was not. That wasn't your calling. That was not my calling. I, I, so my original intention was to be a, like Indiana Jones was to be a professor of history. And, um, and I, you know, and I got the degree and I loved it and I did like three study abroads and that was great and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then, and I actually was thinking maybe I will work in a museum towards the end of my degree. I was thinking, oh, you know, but that's, that's really hard to do. <laughs> Somebody has to die usually. Yeah. Hmm? Somebody has to die usually to get into those kind of things. Yeah. And I, and I don't have a doctorate. I, I have, you know, I have an undergraduate specialization, like I have an undergraduate bachelor's in, in history with a specialization. I have a certificate and an addition and a few additional certifications in history, but I do not have a master's and I don't have a doctorate. So yeah, like nobody was terribly, they, they were, they were interested in publishing some articles that I would write, but they were not interested in hiring me. And, um, and I actually, uh, well, and I, and I, so I'm, I'm, I'm married again now, but I'm divorced and, um, my, my college first love sweetheart was Czech. And so I moved to the Czech Republic right after graduating and married. Oh, wow. Wow. And I got my certificate, my TEPL certification, the teacher of English as a foreign language certification. And so I was actually teaching English abroad for, for a year um to um executives not to children again not in my jam but like I, I was teaching like Honeywell executives I actually taught the president of Pilsner Arakel beer um like because that's a Czech beer and I lived mm -hmm. in Brno which is where the Pilsner Arakel like corporate headquarters and plant is uh you know so I was teaching like you know these in a co the Coca-Cola executives there it was like I had all the high power you know like cool adult clients and they were awesome uh, but yeah, I just, and then I was teaching English and then when I came back to the States after, and then I got divorced and <laughs> I came back to the States and, um, I actually went back to just visit my old university because I worked as a student assistant in the study abroad in international office for like almost for like two years of my, of my education. And I just was going back to say hello to, to friends. And um, when I went there in like this terrible, like it was the middle of summer and I was in like, I, I did not look professional. I had like shorts and a tank top and some um, 
like flip-flops on. I looked awful. And they like, they were saying hi. And they were like, oh my God, we're hiring. You know, do you need a job? We, we like, are you willing to get certified as like a federal officer to be the immigration officer for our campus? Cause we need a new, like, and you with your international experience and da 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 would actually, you know, was like, oh, um, shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they introduced me to the director. Like, and I'm sitting there like, and I'm sweaty. Cause I was walking around. It was awful. I was like, but Hey, I got the job. <laughs> that's what matters. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what matters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, and then, yeah, but I still to this day have never really used my degree in any professional context, except to get published a couple times. Like, it, and that was over a decade ago. I haven't published any academic things in a very long time. And kids, that's why you go to college. <laughs> There's the endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. I, you know, I enjoyed college, but I personally and am a firm believer that unless you are doing something like law or medical studies or something like that, I'm sorry, can you hear my computer dinging? I am so sorry. Not at all. Not at okay. all. Nope, you're good. Okay. Good, good, good. Cause like, yeah, I'm, it's my husband. Okay. <laughs> Shut up, honey. Okay. Honey, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me, let me text him to stop. I love that. Well, you know what? We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with our two talkers. Hey, listeners. You know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have. But guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncie, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Eerie Travels. Woo-woo, Eerie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. We're back. Um, I actually agree with you on college. I used to work at a, um, uh, volunteered at a high school and we taught this program called Center for Academic Business Administration and Management or something like that. It's called Kabam. But one of the big things I pushed is you don't have to go to college. You have to figure out what you want to be at least initially, not forever, but initially, and then learn how to do that. The amount of people that don't go to trade school, for instance, because somehow that got made to be frowned upon, yeah. like being a mechanic or an electrician or a carpenter or a welder or a, like many, many other things that are trade schools horrifies me because now trying to find these people is almost near impossible because there aren't any new ones being made. And the ones that are there are retiring. And I'm like, you can make more money than with a business degree being an electrician or being a carpenter or being a plumber or being an add-on, add-on to that particular mm -hmm. situation. And general contractors get paid more than lawyers sometimes. And I'm like, just go to school for something cool. Plus, it needs to be something fun because the amount of people I used to do HR for my existence up 
until June of this year. And then I became full-time bum, but not really. I'm doing publication company and writing and podcasts, but, um, you know, uh, HR, the amount of business majors, architect majors, people like that, that I hired to do data entry or customer service. I'm like, you spent a lot of money on a degree that means absolutely nothing in the real world. Mm-hmm. And it's yes. You know, 100% more agree. qualified to the jobs you're going to have to go out for. So, okay, let's talk about um, your actual fiction. So, I love that you did a DD campaign. I've met several authors. Jan Paquette is one of them that based her, she has a series called Clouds Ring. And it's completely based on a Dungeons and Dragons campaign and a character she had in the Dungeons and Dragons campaign. I know this because I played it with her and I'm in the book and it's offensive, but whatever. Actually, was my character, so I guess I can't be too mad. But um, what made you decide to go the fantasy route since you do history? So fantasy is not real history, so... God, no, it's not. But it is so much more fun in a lot of ways because literally anything can happen. That's the best thing. Literally. Anything you want can happen. And you know what? You can explain it by being like, magic. And then you're, it's fine. And the reader's like, yep. uh, yeah, gotcha, cool. That's magic. Got it. And I love it. And I, I as a growing up, what I was obsessed with were, were fantasy books. That's what I was into reading. My my first book series love were the Dragonlance novels. Oh, um, I love Dragonlance. I, I have an entire next to me in this bookcase, like, an entire shelf is nothing but Dragonlance. Like, I love that series. I reread them constantly. Um, and, and other fantasy books, you know, I read Anne McCaffrey and like all those all those fantasy authors that are that are just awesome. Terry Pratchett, it, yeah, all the peoples, and um, and that was just my favorite. <laughs> so when I and when you play Dungeons and Dragons, you're playing fantasy and. You know, you can like my first book, To Save a World, it is pure classical fantasy. You know, the main characters are all elves, pretty, you know, like really, um, yeah. And it's and it's in a classical, like, you know, British-esque world as far as forests and everything are concerned. And and it's, um, yeah, it's very, uh, you know, it's a post-apocalyptic fantasy world, but there's uh it's it's definitely more classical and all the themes and everything else and um my second book is a historical fantasy um but it's definitely still very fantasy because i basically take the etruscans of of ancient italy who have again obsessed with that and i created a race of people around that that were the etruscans and they had magic, you know, and it's, and it's all this, and I, and I have a lot of historical Easter eggs in Spare the Swallow, my second book, which has nothing to do with the first one, two totally different fantasy worlds. Um, but yeah, that one, I got most of my inspiration from history, but it's definitely fantasy. Like, do not quote my timelines. (laughs) Somebody, I think it was my husband was, was like, Oh, so, so like this happened in this year. And I was like, no, 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 honey. <laughs> like that, I, I guess King Cyrus of Babylon is in the book, but he didn't actually live 
at the exact same time that these other things are happening. Like, this is a fantasy novel. I need you to understand that I was inspired and I took some characters and some events that happened and I put a whole fantasy spin on it and created some some cool, like, magic people. But, um, yeah, this is not... Mm -mm. <laughs> Like don't don't start building timelines here unless you're no it's don't just, take this as fact yeah, yeah do not take this as fact if you're a historian reading it you'll find some easter eggs like cultural easter eggs is that like how the etruscans would do divination is the same way that you know the i, I named them the doc Vens. the doc Ven race does divination and blah 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 like the cultural things are all very they're the same but um yeah it's definitely not accurate <laughs> <laughs> so are you um and i may have missed this or the wine may be kicking and i should have probably eaten before this but it's fine it's fine um are you traditionally published or self-published i am self-published oh and yeah and actually we i i tend to go on tangents we went off. So, yeah i did i did okay. I, I was like did i hear right this that conversation I did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a tangent girl. Uh, so I, the first to save a world, I actually ended up getting published by a vanity press that can, oh. they, they were not my favorite. So I was independently published. They contractually did everything that they said. And I actually didn't spend as much money as other people do. Oh um, yeah. No, stay away from vanity presses. Don't can do I, it. Don't do it. I people. Yeah, don't do it. It's 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 a uh, it's 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 basically a scam. Even though contractually, again, I have they contractually did everything they said they would do, and I own my ISBN number. Thank goodness. But that was one of my my things. Is but I also I think I got taken in by that for my first book. And this is you know to all you know newbie would be authors out there. Mm -hmm. I very much wanted someone to hold my hand through the process. Yeah. And that is why I, and, and you know, cause I like, like many people, by the time I was publishing, I was in my, I was in my mid thirties. I was, I was, I was tired and I was working full time. <laughs> and it was like, can somebody just do this fucking for me? Can please, I don't want to, I'm tired. <laughs> and by the time I get home after working my 10 hour day, I want I just want to, you just want it done. It. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody do it. But yeah. Somebody else, please do it. And traditional. I already wrote it. I'm going to throw this out here. There are hybrid publishers and that's what a hybrid publisher actually is. A lot of people don't realize is somebody where you do pay a certain amount to get your book published, but that's very different than a vanity press. Yes. Mm hmm so if you are in that state and you really want help and you really feel um, the need to go that route, find a hybrid publisher, not a vanity press. Because a yeah. vanity press basically has a bunch of check boxes to get a book done and then they throw it out there and it's done. But that's all they're doing. And they're usually, you're, you're paying a lot of money and you're not necessarily getting a great product mm -hmm. for the amount of money you're going to spend to do it because they could give a shit if your book sells because you've already paid them money. Whereas a hybrid publisher sometimes actually is invested in your book selling because they'll make even more money from it. They just want some money up front. I'm still not a fan of that, but if you absolutely have to go that route, Find a hybrid and not a vanity. 
Right. And research okay. the vanity. Research the vanity because nowadays they're also wording themselves differently. Mm-hmm. So you don't exactly know their vanity. And then it's like, oh no, we do distribution. We'll help you. You got to do it. If they hand you a bill for like 16, 17 grand at the end of it or up to 30 grand, their vanity. Yes. That's how it is. Their vanity. Yeah. Vanity presses are, they, and I, and I paid less than $3,000 for all, when all was said and done for the vanity press, which is that a good deal. I got, well, and part of the reason I got a good deal was because I designed my own cover and everything because they, they were like, oh, well, you know, they, they actually had a designer on their staff do it. And I was like, and and again, I'm not a professional designer. But at the time, this was after I left the immigration job, I, I was working as a project manager at a design and branding agency. I knew what I was talking about because I did it every single day for five mm-hmm. years. I was a PM for designers. So like, I knew exactly what all that was. And I know good design versus bad. <laughs> like, yep. and, and they sent me something that I was like, a fucking 12 year old who has never used Photoshop before could have done a better job than this shit right here. Like, and, and I, and I just, and I, and I said, listen, you're going to take this off the cost. Cause here is my designed, co-. like I had already designed, I already had some concepts and I was like, here is my designed cover. Here is my designed page layout. Cause I don't even want you touching that shit. And yep. Yeah. And they, um, so that I got a lot knocked off because <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I got that taken care of. And because I had already copyrighted my manuscript before doing anything, even before making qu- inquiries, um, they actually, because they were going to try to charge me for copyright too. That's oh, something wow. else is even any, in any time, not just any like vanity press, but even the hybrid presses, especially if you have a certain skill set just to listeners in general like if you see things make sure that that like if you can do it on your own do i recommend it. that you do it, you know it, like because you you actually care more than they but do not only that you should you should copyright it yourself because independent presses um traditional presses uh all these things will copyright it in their fucking name and it's then theirs and you lose your stuff right. you like that's one of the first questions you should ask anybody who wants to publish you is are you going to copyright it in my name and if they say yes well do you mean at the u.s copyright office like yeah. ask what that means because if they're just going to throw a little c on it you could do that yourself and they'll charge you for it or they'll copyright it in their name and then you lose that book and can never get it again because it doesn't belong to you it belongs to them Yep. And that's the same with the ISBN number. Make sure no matter who is publishing you, I don't care if it's a traditional or blah, 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 blah. You got to own that ISBN number. That is your intellectual property. And if they say that they're going to purchase it for you, you still have to make sure that it's in your name and not the press name. So they can't purchase it and put it in your name. I don't know if you know that. As as a publisher, I know this. Mm. As a publisher, you can buy the ISBN yourself and have it and it's yours. But Mm. like, I can't put an ISBN in an author's name. It has to be in my company's name. Oh. 
you yeah, transfer it later. I've always bought my own, so I didn't. Yeah, but yeah, if you buy your own, you're good. Yeah. The 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 there's a lot of things with an ISBN. ISBNs are not make or break because as long as you know the ISBN and you know, for instance, on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Kobo and the main big ones, iBooks and stuff like that, because I hate to say they're like 95% of the market share and then there's everyone else. Mm -hmm. You can still retain your reviews and stuff like that, which is what's important. So you don't have to have the ISBN going into it because you're going to need a new ISBN if you republish it because you can't republish the same book under the same thing. Right. that's a whole, we're not going to get into technical things. Cause we need yeah. to talk about a stripper pole that's behind you, but yeah. <laughs> so you're now going into your third book. I'm going into, so I'm publishing my third book, which is, so the first book to save a world, it is a one-off. There is no cliffhanger. I promise. But, um, at the end, like, like my readers, like strangers, my, my friends and family too, but like strangers on the internet were actually writing reviews saying, I want to, I want a sequel. I want to know what happens next. And which was really cool. And like people would randomly reach out to me on social media and be like, so when's the next one coming out? I want to know what happens with the characters that survived, <laughs> you know, like what's, what's going on. And, and I was like, oh, I, I so did not intend to do that, but because of reader demand and, and frankly, because I, did decide after publishing my first book, I said, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be an author. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be Indiana Jones too, but like, I should just do this. I should just pursue that dream. And apparently I'm good at it because people say I'm good at it. So I'm going to trust them. And, um, and, and so I, uh, I started, I started writing the sequel, uh, you know, a couple years ago and it's, and it's completely done. Um, I'm still getting like, it's, it's edited for the most part right now. I have one of my one of my friends who's a really who's a really good editor doing a final pass on it and she's amazing because she's finding shit like an extra space between words like the stuff that's so hard to see I love it she's fine she finds that stuff and and so she's I love it so much thank you Angie just shout out to you and um, and so she she's doing like my little final editing you know like miscellaneous tweaks I've already designed the cover, which I'm going to be doing a cover reveal in the next couple of weeks Ooh. for it. It's called The Queen Witch. And um, it is a sequel to To Save a World. So the characters that survived the first book are all back in the next book. And it's now keeping in mind these characters are elves. Uh, so like they live in, in that series and the world that I created, I think elves have an 800 year lifespan. So it's 20 years later, but that's like five years, like three to five years in the elf time mm-hmm. passing, like age differences and things like that. <laughs> so some time has passed, but it's not that long. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm really that's, excited about it. So did you write this one with the next one in mind? I did. So, so this one, I am actually starting, I have decided that I am going to make it a series. The world of the world, the fantasy world, this is all based in is called Rashan, R-A-A-S-H-A-N, something that I just like made. I, I said, I said a word, I said a sound and I was like, yeah, that works for a world name. And I wrote that shit down. It's fine. Um, like many fantasy authors do. And yep. they're, they're like, what sounds like a, okay. Yeah. 
and yep, that works yep that, that's the name of the world but uh so that is that is the one and I'm creating a series called the Rashawn series and I am really really excited and I'm actually re-releasing and I'm getting a new ISBN number the um the the first book to save a world because number one um legally I don't have to worry about the contract with the vanity press anymore and uh you know that that expired like like two or three years ago and number two I wanted the covers to look like a set mm -hmm. so um I have redesigned the cover for to save a world and I'm going to re-release that one um about a month after I released the queen witch in April and and they're going to look like a beautiful like little box set and I'm bringing back numbers on the spine because I don't know why we ever stopped doing that we do that as a publisher yep. because by the way librarians want that just anybody paying attention they want that and if it's series they want the series name displayed on the damn book because mm -hmm. otherwise you have no idea what goes with what yes thank you and thank you for doing that as a publisher because it's just like I was like, why do we not do these things? And the whole, like, when you, when you open like the first couple pages before, you know, you get to the reading part where they have like other books in the series and you have that page that just has all of the books in the series listed in order. Like, why, why have we stopped? So. Well, that used to be a Harlequin thing and their tour and some other places did it. So we throw it in the back of the book, which is all the books in the series, all the books by the author, and all mm. the books similar to the ones by the author that you may also like. That's good. I like, see, I like that a lot. Well, I, you know, that's how I found when I picked up the um, Veil of the Vole by Pierce Anthony, mm. which was one of the first fantasy books I ever read. So um, and it was mid-series, but I could go in and find that it was mid-series. Luckily, his books are all written that you don't actually have to know anything that happened before. But so it's been series and I was able to find it. And then in the back were all these other books that were fantasy books that I could go find. And at the time there was not a computer, there was libraries and there was, you know, card catalogs, but there wasn't a card catalog that said, you know, fantasy books. Like you had to know what you were looking for to go find the fucking card to go right. find the book on the right. show. You needed to know a title and an author. It's yeah. Like, yeah. But it's interesting because um, talking to librarians, we were at the American Librarians Association conference. Um, we talked there, which was weird because I think they were like, who the fuck are these guys? But one of the things we did is we did like an ask me anything. And we asked the librarians, like, what do you actually want? And they want, mm -hmm. yep, yep, there it is. They want book club questions, by the way, mm -hmm. authors out there listening. They want book club questions in the back of the book, about 10 of them at least. Oh, nice. They want other books in the series so they know. They want the number prominently displayed on the side because they want to actually help the library system, library, words, whatever, something like that, um, uh, be able to tell what, you know, are they in a series? What book in the series is it? So when people are looking, they understand what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. And there's a ton of book clubs that are associated with libraries. And there's a ton of book clubs. There's a website called bookclub.org or mm -hmm. .com. And I've drunk a lot of wine, so I don't remember. But literally, you can sign up for a book club online and find other people that want to join your book club and talk about your book if you're an author in the book club. 
or get a bunch of authors and creates right now. I want you to know that that's fine. Take notes. But I mean, that's part of the reason I do this podcast, but you can do that. And book clubs want your questions and stuff like that. They don't want to just, you know, ask, I mean, they'll come up with stuff, the clever ones, but some of them are like me and they drink wine when they're doing book clubs. And so they want to just look in the back and go, what did you think of this character and blah, 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 because, you know, and it's, it's little stuff, but I think, you know, for me, at least one of the reasons I did that, one of the reasons I think it's important is there's so many people that I love to read, but when I start to read, I'm like, what is the next fucking book in this goddamn series? And then I'm like doing this whole Google rabbit hole because you can't even tell on fucking Amazon, which book is which book on the series because they don't have them labeled properly. And yes. so I'm like, I give up. I, I've read this one or two of them because I figured it out, but I can't find book fucking three. So, and there's like 10 in the series. Right. Well, and there's that actually, so I don't know if you know, it's it's more of a sci-fi series, but um, uh, the uh, Chronicles of St. Mary's by Jody Taylor series. It's about time traveling historians. It, it's amazing. It's, it's wonderful. It like draws you right in. There's like, Current, she's still writing it. Currently, there are like 16 or 17 published books in the series. I'm on like book 10 or 11. I forget which one. I have to, I have to check. But every time I go to like read the next one, because it's such a good series. I'm so involved. Like it's really, really like engaging and, and cool. And it's one of those series where you could pick it up and read it as a one-off, but you really should start from the beginning and you like go through the whole journey with the characters, right? None of them are numbered. Every time I finish one, I'm like, I need to Google the series, yes. find the list of the books in order, and mm -hmm. then go back to, to you Tim know, Harrison is like that. and be like, okay, I need one damn thing after another now like or whatever like and that is the title of the first book one damn thing after another <laughs> in the series but I love the series but it drives me nuts and I'm like could she just fucking number them could they just mm -hmm. like even if they just put numbers on them that would make my life a thousand times easier <laughs> that is literally it's so fucking simple but people don't do it it drives me completely fucking crazy it's should be done it's an easy thing and we're on a tangent and i appreciate that okay so you're writing book three how long did it take you to write book three book three actually because i i got more serious so book three actually took me and i still work full-time just fyi like i i still i'm still working because i don't you know live off of this but i um i would say just over a year maybe well, we, we can say 13 months to to write it like get it from brain to to page and i also it takes me a little longer because i do everything by hand for the first draft so do i yay okay high five yes but five. yes mm -hmm. it's it, i feel more creative i don't mm -hmm. feel creative on a computer when i am on a computer i am in work slash editing mode mm -hmm. I need like the connection with pen and paper and like the smell of things and all of that. I think that's great. My only advice to you, if you want to be a writer, is must go faster. You've got yeah. to go faster than one a year, like minimally two a year, because it's it really you have to feed an audience that is going to take less than 
potentially a couple of weeks to read your book. Oh, yeah. You know, and if you just want to look up the reaction to George R.R. R. Martin's bullshit right now, we'll give you an idea of what happens when you wait to get stuff done. None mm. of it's bad. It's just must go faster is my advice because we have people on the show all the time um and they say oh yeah no i you know i really like and it's great depending on what you want to do but if you're serious about being a published author and that's like the journey you want to take you have to go faster because the people that are like oh yeah no it took me about three years to write the last one and i'm like oh dear fucking god there's no way you're going to be you know, whatever. And I appreciate them. And I love that. And if they're retired and this is just the thing they're doing now and they want to take their time and their gardening or whatever the fuck they're doing on the side, you know, great. But if you want to be a fucking author and want to be successful, must go faster, must have way more, sorry, I dropped something, published work. That's what has to happen. And that is excellent advice. And I thank you for that because it is, yeah, that is, that is absolutely true. And that's one of the things I'm working on because I'm I'm actually since since the Queen Witch is in, is in editing and it's been like I've been designing and editing it like I actually almost immediately started writing my fourth novel which is that's what you have to do yeah the second in the other series for Spare the Swallow is the origin story of the second series that I'm writing and which I will number all of those as well and then um you know and then and then it goes through you know like all of that but I have like. I have my my schedule and people people are like oh my god you're crazy like and I'm like no no I have to because I work full time I work yeah. from home thank goodness because I don't have to factor in commuting but mm -hmm. I and I teach dance classes like you know I I not all the time but like once or twice a week I'm I'm teaching dance as well so so I have like 40 hours a week I'm working and then I immediately will like log off of work computer and then I go and I'm like two hours of writing every day I try two hours of related like if I don't have the brain for it but then all of Saturday like eight hours of my Saturday that's writing I'm trying I gotta, I gotta, Daniel, I gotta go faster you faster and faster Danielle how many books have you published in the last three years um uh, one two three four five six and you have seven already Oh, so we've so published yeah. six and seven is in editing. Yes. That's just to give you a little motivation, my friend, as somebody who handwrites her stuff, you know, must go faster with my Jeff Goldblum advice of the day. That is an excellent. This yeah. is all very cool. We're going to have to wrap up soon, my mm. friend. So let's get a little, and we're going to ask about the poll in the literary briefs episode. Let's get um, your shameless self-promotion about both your books and where to find them and how to locate you on social media the writer you and not the real you please do not give away your address that's yeah, how i will working. not I, I don't do that no no but uh so um the the books are the first one is to save a world which is the first book in the rashawn series that you could purchase on amazon um you can honestly you can purchase it on barnesandnoble.com as well and um and you can find it on goodreads that sort of thing. Uh, those are probably the easiest places. There are some other random online retailers that carry them and you can order it from any bookstore in the world because it's on the Ingram list. So you can just like go in and be like that one and they'll order it for you. And it's available via ebook. And uh, then the second book, Spare the Swallow, which was just released October 
of last year of 2022. That one is also available, uh, barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com. That one's only paperback right now. I'm working on the ebook. And because um, again, I do, I do my own layouts. Oh, it takes a little longer for me to design everything. Uh, and that one is, uh, I love that one. That one is, again, historical fantasy based on the ancient Greco-Roman world, the ancient Etruscans. And uh, so you get you get a lot of that with infused with magic and there's war and genocide, unfortunately. Uh, and it, it, get, it gets really dark. To Save a World is a little lighter. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm like, I'm like, you know, like, like 13 year olds can read to save world and it's totally cool. It's totally cool. Spare the swallow. Like I would have read it at the age of 13. So will most 13 year olds you say that, but I read clan of the cave bear when I was 11. So I, I think that we absolutely have a different version as we get older of what we think younger people should be reading than yes. what they actually do and what they want to read. So yeah. I would put a disclaimer because also putting a disclaimer, they're going to go fucking read it because you put a disclaimer on it. I did. Hey, that maybe that's a marketing tactic. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, well, I, I will say that Spare the Swell is a little bit more of a trigger warning um, just because it is war and genocide and for people who like, you know, if they have, if they have, if that's a trigger for them, then, then, then chill. Like, you know, that, that one is a little scary. That, that, that one does. I have, I've had many people DM me uh, and actually say, you just made me fucking cry. I had to put the book down. I threw it across the room, like spare the swallow. I get a lot of DMs about people saying, I am crying. How dare you? I'm going to finish it, but I can't right now. I'm so mad at you. Also, I love your book. And then they'll, which is like the biggest compliment you can ever get, but it's, it's very emotional. So I will say that, uh, you can find me on social media on Instagram is where you can find me the most, uh, which is at Hollis Joe McCullum. Uh, I try to keep everything easy. My website is hollisjoemccullumauthor.com and pretty much anything just Hollis Joe McCullum and Joe is J-O. It's like, you know, the feminine version, like, mm-hmm. like Debbie Joe or something. <laughs> Joe from Facts of Life, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's drop that E. There's no E, but, um, but yeah. And, and also if you Google me, like it's, it's not a common name. So if you Google Hollis Joe McCullum, you're you're pretty much just gonna find me, which is which is good because I wanna be I wanna be found as an author. So and I, I have like an author central page on Amazon. And so you can follow me and I'll post my my bookie nonsense there. Very, very cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And I've Absolutely. learned I've learned. <laughs> you've learned and you've taught. It's both brilliant. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. This is your host, Erica Lance. Because of the change of the format of the show, welcome to the Literary Briefs portion. Enjoy. Welcome to Drinking With Authors, the Literary Briefs edition. I'm going to try to remember this entire intro. My name is Erica Lance. My co-host today is the fabulous... Danielle M. Orsino, 
And our guest today is Hollis Joe McCollum. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking because I can do that since my internet is actually working now. Um, I am drinking, as you can tell, uh, mm. um, <laughs> I possibly open this today. Um, it's called Beach Haven Vineyards Winery, and this is their Blackberry. And they are actually in Clarksville, Tennessee. My daughter got this for me when she was in the nice. military combat medic and i realized i hadn't drank it because it was in my fridge in the back and that's where i always find my beverages and i'm drinking it out of my also provided by my daughter best fucking meemaw ever cup which you can't really see exactly but it does say that i promise very nice okay i'm not making that up um danielle what are you drinking my love i am drinking i'm going non-alcoholic today uh clearly canadian country raspberry water Ooh. sparkling water but here's the special part. I'm drinking it out of my dragon goblet that you got me for Christmas. I did. did. Oh my God, that's absolutely beautiful because I did not see it live in person before oh, it yeah. arrived. That, I love that's that. Pretty. So And very fancy. Very fancy. Daniel is always way more fancy than I am. Okay. Okay. Hollis, what are you drinking, my darling? I am drinking hot London cup of tea with Done the British Way, which is milk and one, which milk and one is a little bit of milk and one teaspoon of sugar. Oh, very British of you. And what does your cup say for those who can't read it? So my cup says, other writers, me. Because, <laughs> I mean, not that I'm the best writer in the world, but I do pole dance, so. No, let's was, talk, we didn't get to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, let's get into the episode. pole dancing thing. Happy so, to Let's talk about pole dancing, shall we? Because we don't get to start off most episodes doing that. So <laughs> there's a pole behind you for anybody actually watching the YouTube and a brilliant screen, which I love, by the way, with all the lights. Thank you. It covers up the uh, the, the the art chest where all my art supplies <laughs> are and um, and actually the litter box for the cats. Oh, we just okay. figured it was adding ambiance to the pole, but okay. No, no, it, it covers up ugly shit behind the thing. And then when I'm recording or teaching classes for pole, I like, they don't need to be looking at like all the bullshit that's behind that. So, okay, so explain the pole dancing part of your history degree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I started I've been dancing since I was like a little kid I did like the ballet tap jazz everything when you're little and uh, I did Latin ballroom in like um, high school and college and then like just three years ago oh my gosh my pole anniversary! I'm gonna oh my pole anniversary! I'm gonna be four years in May uh, we call it our pole anniversary because we're all you know polars are dorky like that we're cool like that and um that so, is the first time I've ever heard that. My pole anniversary is in May. Have you ever heard that before, Danielle? A pole anniversary? No, I'm trying to get, yeah, I'm just pole anniversary. That's the anniversary one. of yep. when I started polling. Yeah, as in May. So I, about uh, four, almost four years ago, I, I just, uh, my, one of my really best friends, uh, Christelle, she and I have always worked out together because I'm also a Zumba instructor. I've been teaching Zumba since 2011. Um, and uh, she and I have, been taking Zumba together since 20, 2007 and blah, blah, blah. But she was like, let's try pole. And I was like, fuck yeah, let's try pole. It is the best workout I have ever gotten. It is 
it is it combines strength and grace and agility and flexibility it is the hardest thing i've ever done and i have been athletic and dancing i did martial arts when i was younger like i've been pretty athletic my whole life and and this is the hardest shit i've ever done <laughs> you're the second author i've talked to that's done this oh really the, the second author I've talked to, yeah. Who's the other, one? Who's the other author you talked to that does this? I did a um a podcast. Cheryl Cheryl did it, and she was she was an author who was um who was interviewing me, and she pole dances, and she's been pole dancing for years, and she said the same thing. She was like, "You should totally try it." She's like, "Authors love this," and I'm like, "It's an author thing," and she was like, "Yeah, it's totally an author thing." I didn't know it was. Do. I don't I don't know yeah, that many authors who pole dance, so I need to Cheryl. I don't know. You have to send yeah. me. Email me. Who oh, yeah. You, you got to create a uh, entire community called authors who pull dance. I think that should be like author polls. People author have. Polls. I should. I should. Well, because I, I have on my social, I have a pole dancing account. Um, you know, I like I have I have three different accounts. I have a cosplay account, none of which are personal. I have a cosplay account, an author account, and a pole dancing account. Um, and the cosplay account is essentially dead in the water because I don't really like. I still cosplay, but it's just for fun, so I don't bother to keep up with it so much um but like the pole dancing I'm teaching classes I'm keeping I'm learning and taking classes and then of course the author thing I am most active on but yeah I I love that and it's it is it is absolutely it is so much fun it you get a lot of satisfaction over like being able to tell people it's like yeah I can lift my own like I can go upside down on nothing but the power of my own abs like and and, then like squeezing with one armpit (laughs) That's impressive. It's- yeah, no, I, everyone who's done that or done any classes like that has told me that it is the most intense workout they've ever done. Because I think it's a lot like yoga in regards to you're using your own body strength to do everything. So it's not like, yeah. you know, when you do weights or you have a machine or anything else, you have to use your own body strength. I did hot yoga for years. And I hope to find a hot yoga place up here, but man, that shit will tire you out doing stuff that is like Mm -hmm. almost nothing. You're like, bend this one little way, but you somehow have to hold yourself up and you're like, I'm going to die. So you're exactly right. Because I I do yoga for conditioning. Um, You know, once a week I do yoga. Uh, I take classes from, from my friend. uh, Well, her her name is Monica, but um, She's vegan, vegan pole dancer on online, and she's an amazing yoga instructor. Uh, but she's also an amazing, beautiful pole dancer as well. And I, I fucking love it. And and it is. It's you're exactly right about that. It is you are you are using your own condition. And then when you're dancing, because you're not supposed to make it look like it's difficult. Like in your in your heart, you are like grunting in pain. But you have to you have to remain like oh yeah, this is nothing. Like you're supposed to remain serene, calm in the storm. Yeah, it's like hush. Oh, <laughs> it's like, but no 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 no. You are like I am on fire right now like everything in my body wants to break but on the outside you're supposed to be oh yes this was so, that that's that that aerial split was so easy oh, it's like, no it's not <laughs> but it's erica let's do a pole dancing class let's make all the authors like we're all gonna come together and do a pole dancing class let's do it you should I think we should do it and um i don't think most of us will survive but i appreciate the enthusiasm because i think you will danielle the rest of us will like do it you know, we're like, cool. We leaned against the pole. Look at us. Look at us. We Danielle, it. you tell me you, if you want to email me what your area is, I will find you a pole studio. Yes. 
yeah, do it. Because we're yes. going to do this. Yeah, you get. Yeah, I will. I will. I will send you. You tell me where you are. I will. I will find you Pole Studios because I, my instructor, North Carolina. Like, I mean, yeah, like they're they're all over the place, and I I like I I got the Pole community is awesome. FYI, they're like such good people, and many people don't realize how accomplished pole, there are a lot of doctors. Like I know surgeons who are pole dancers and like people have like my, it's like, yeah, the, the, my, my nurse is a, like, do you know how many nurses do pole? Like so many. <laughs> like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. That's the, that doesn't surprise me. Danielle's yeah. also a nurse. So yeah, <laughs> yeah there's yeah, all the things. she's the hero. She's everything. Okay. So um, she'll send you her information. I'll give her your information. You'll find each other. The yes. And I'll find you, I'll find you a studio. Cause I, I do, I think everyone should try it at least once. Cause I'm like, again, as somebody who like was pretty athletic and strong when I started pole dancing, like four years ago, almost four years ago, I was like, okay, I should be able to do certain things a little bit more easily just because of my background and like martial mm -hmm. arts and all this shit. No, yeah, it was still like the first time I had to pull myself up with my, just using my own, like pull my own mm -hmm. body weight up. I was like, oh shit, I am not as good as I think I am. <laughs> nice. It you a little bit, but in a good way. And then you get stronger and then, yeah, it's, it's good. And then you get all these bruises, but that's okay because those are just battle scars and, and what we lovingly call pole kisses. Once a new term again, Erica. I'm yeah, learning okay. so many things today that I won't remember because of pole the wine. Pole so, kiss. We also have pole mamas. Like, so my, my original pole mama is a, a, a wonderful woman named Gina, who I'm still great friends with. And I, I still take classes, but yeah, she's, she's the first person who like taught me pole. And then you have your pole sisters who are the people that you like pole with all the time. I don't know. There's, Erica, we're going to be pole sisters. We Hell can be yeah. pole sisters. I'll send you, I'll send you both like my my um my poll social media because I'm like yeah send that to us so we can do that we'll share it um okay so this is supposed to be rapid fire we've gone down a rabbit hole for most of this rapid fire episode so far so go team sorry <laughs> that's not your fault I think people will be like what is happening right I take the blame it's okay no it's okay <laughs> I I I do not care me and this blackberry by the way it's really really good like it's not very sweet and i as you can see yeah you're liking it i'm loving it i'm gonna stop myself though until i eat something because i have to cook what i eat and i don't think i should have the whole bottle before i do that mm -hmm. good idea yeah, yeah. Good idea. um what is your favorite book of all time <gasps> oh i i at this moment at this moment i will say probably the pillars of the earth by ken follett why every time i reread it i find something new and he is a historian who writes historical fiction and he's also accurate and uh, i believe that he gives accurate portrayals his characters are so well developed because it's i don't know i just love it it's such a it's such a story that i am surprised every time i read it and i have read it like four times <laughs> very cool what about your least favorite book Oh, things I never finished, probably. Um, I think. Uh I can't even remember the title of it. I just was like, fuck this book so much. Probably the least favorite book I ever 
read was a Harlequin romance when I was younger. I was like in middle school or, or early high school. I don't remember what it was, but like a 14 or 15 year old, I remember stopping halfway through because I was like, this is bullshit. And I just <laughs> couldn't even with the characters even as a teenager who was completely inexperienced in relationships and and everything else, I was just like, it was about a woman whose husband had like disappeared for, for years. And then this other guy who was a good guy was coming on the scene. And then her husband came back and they were fighting over her and she was being a complete airhead about the whole situation. And I was like, is a little, and I, I couldn't even finish it. I was like, what is this idiot doing? I was like, I know I'm a kid, but this adult woman is a, is fucking dumb. And I can't deal with like, had, did she forget that her husband fucking left for three years and didn't give her a goddamn explanation or anything? Like, fuck that guy. I, I don't know. I was so mad. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was old before my time. And, uh, I, you know. I appreciate that, but <laughs> So, and I, and I, uh, I remember I just, I was getting really frustrated in the middle and then I was like, okay, it's going to be worth it if she ends up with the right person, you know, like with a good guy who's, who's done nothing but be supportive and kind and like be a good person. And then I turned to the last page and she ended up with her like husband. And I was like, I don't even care. I don't even care because there's nothing that he could say or do that would ever make up for the fact of how he left and what he there, there was nothing I don't care if it was like super secret spy it doesn't matter none of that because he was a total dick to his wife and he never apologized no <laughs> don't you no. that you just were bored with this book <laughs> yeah yeah no very very viscerally bored <laughs> okay I'm gonna make Danielle ask her infamous question now oh my infamous okay Okay, there we go. If you could meet one of these three cryptids in order to prove its existence, which one would it be? Uh, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, or an alien? Loch Ness Monster. That's and the correct why? answer for Danielle, for the record. Not that I, it's biased or anything. No, and why would it be nasty? Don't answer that correctly. She won't post your episode. So, so okay. So um, I actually wrote a, a paper on uh, St. Columba of, of Scotland. Do you know this story, Danielle? Yes, he's the first one. Yes, 1531. The Yes. Was from St. Columba, the year 625. Oh, 625. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I wrote, I, and that, was, that made it to my paper. And that paper a little bit get published by the university, just at FYI. Um, so but, you're going to have to send us this story now. So, well, the it's a very quick little story. So St. Columba of Iona, who was, by the way, really fun and interesting. Of The, the saints are pretty cool. Just A lot of people are like, oh, they were just holy men. I was like, yeah, they're all like god believe some really cool shit too like they did like saint columba was like a very ornery irishman who like went to scotland and built a monastery and like he did some wild he was a he did some wild shit he cursed like a fucking sailor he was you know he was godly but like he was rough <laughs> and Typical he was irishman. going down performing miracles and doing the things and um he had his little scribe dude and there they were at loch ness where there was a monster in the lake that would eat people, right? Nessie. And so 
St. Columba was there and he saw a fisherman in the boat and the monster was coming toward, or no, the fisherman like fell out of the boat or something, but the monster yeah. was coming toward. And St. Columba stood on the shore and basically like held up the cross or did whatever he did. Mm -hmm. And he commanded the Loch Ness monster not to do that shit. He was yeah. like, you will not, I forget the exact words, but the, like, he was like, you will not do this. You do not eat people. Like you stop that right now, bad. And, yep. and the monster was like cowed by St. Columba. Mm -hmm. And, and then from then on, it did not eat people anymore. It still existed. But there was yeah. no longer a fatality. But it was no longer a fatality monster. It was, it was fine. And they were all like, thanks St. Columba. You stopped us all like getting eaten all the time at Loch Ness. <laughs> and, and that's, that's one of the reasons, but also Nessie, I, I, I'm not gonna, I, 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 okay. I also believe in Bigfoot and aliens, but I totally think that Nessie is real in some context or another. And I desperately want to know what the context is because there are so many theories that could be true. I don't know about the dinosaur thing, but. Mm -hmm. I do know, I mean, they're, they're all the penis thing, because that's my favorite explanation. Which one? The whale's penis. penis. Oh, God. That's hilarious. Seriously, I... they talk about blue whales will mate there, and they mate in threes. People don't realize that they mate in two males and a female. And when they're in between, you know, whatever, the males will roll over on their back and their dicks will go up and kind of flop over, but they're fucking huge. So they look like the neck and the head of Nessie. And the fin of the flipper. Oh, that is a There's good a whole point. documentary on this. You can look it yes. up. I haven't yeah. seen that one and I'm going to. Yeah, that's the other. The other one is like sturgeons or sturgeon. The sturgeon, they said no, because when they did the DNA sample of the water, there no sturgeons showed up. And no ah, coelacanths okay. showed up. Okay. So they yeah. said it's not that. Then a recent one came up about the eels and said there's no eel DNA in there that says that they could grow that big. Hmm. So we disproved the eel theory as well. But oh, the whale penis, oh. that actually has some merit, I will say. That's I'm just I'm super excited to say whale penis whenever I can in relation to this. It yes. I, I think Nessie could be definitely something other than that, based on what everybody's seen and done and I firmly believe we 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 haven't seen everything. There was a literally there was a news article. I do another podcast called Eerie Travels where we talk about just weird shit. But there was a news story recently where they're it's they're not calling it Sasquatch, they're calling it like a mutant ape human thing that people have seen. So apparently this picture was actually taken several years ago and several residents saw this creature like interacted with it but it was never reported and it's sort of like a mutated um like gorilla thing that walks on two legs and is very hairy and whatever and there's a satellite picture of this thing that got taken so I firmly believe there are things out there that we just don't know what they are now whether they're naturally based um, there's cave systems all over this country in our mountains where yes. things could be, mm -hmm. yep. or they, you know, like, I hate to say it, but there was, for instance, a group of Germans, Nazis, that 
mutated and tried to bring back old DNA. They're not the only ones that could have been doing this. They're horrific assholes and fuck them, but mm -hmm. they're not the only ones because they brought back two or three creatures and like they're bringing back publicizing. They're bringing back um, the uh, uh, giant elephants. What are they oh, called? The woolly mammoths. Yeah, I saw the woolly mammoths. Yes. Yeah, which yeah. So like, stop fucking with the science and just like let the, the like the, these things. And we learn nothing from Jurassic from, Park. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Have we learned nothing? <laughs> like no did you not see there's like 10 of those fucking movies of course they've learned nothing, nothing. they're not making they're what did he say i'm not making the same mistakes no you're making all new ones like yes <laughs> you know what we need to do is give it more teeth yeah that's a great plan yeah that's a make it brother. bigger make it smarter, smarter with more teeth job. that's the way we go that's how we're gonna did do it that's how we movie? get ourselves extinct yeah, exactly. Did you ever see the movie Deep Blue Sea? Oh, yes. I was just thinking Hello, of Cool J. Yeah. Yes. One of my there favorite movies to show people, and let's not reveal the ending, but it's one of my favorite movies to show people and go, at the party scene, I go, who do you think is going to survive this? Two people survive. Tell me who you think is going to survive this. Nobody ever guesses it fucking correctly, right? Mm -hmm. But what's interesting to me about that movie it's her line. It is the best line where she goes, there's a side effect. The shocks got smarter. <laughs> I'm glad you considered that a fucking side effect. Side that's effect. A, that's a great oh. thing. Let's increase a shark's brain by a hundred times because that sounds like a good plan. Yeah, really. Well, really well, and you know, it's funny there, that movie when it first came out years ago, which I, I love that film, but my brother was trying to get his girlfriend at the time to go see it with him. And she wasn't really into shark movies and, and she, and he, I was like sitting near him when he described this and, and she was like, well, what's it about? And he was like, no, it's about, but it's really cool. It's about a bunch of sharks that get smarter and then they eat people. And she was like, I do not want to see that movie. <laughs> well, you're not wrong, but also there's a better way. No, there's a better way to describe it. And I think a lot of people that happens to be one of those gems that people miss because it actually is. A brilliant fucking cast it does but the premise totally goes to um the fact that people do shit with like one idea in mind right which is and i'm not fucking stealing anything from this movie go see it that they're going to cure alzheimer's yes right? that that's is it, their alzheimer's. idea but they need the protein yep. from shark brains to kill cure alzheimer's this is all revealed within the first fucking 15 minutes so i'm not stolen the movie the, the movie came the... out in like 2000 or something yeah. like i think we're I think we're if you're, the, I, the, the whole point though is that you get so and it's true i think i'm fortunately fucking with science it's true with jurassic park too singularly focused that you do not think about the fucking ramifications of everything else you do not take the 10 steps back to go wait a minute is this a fucking good idea or not mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yep. nobody ever does that okay oh my gosh we're almost through this entire episode and we've asked like three questions okay i'm going to ask you another question what is your favorite outfit to wear when you're writing um Ooh. something comfortable i don't know i i probably i like i like wearing comfortable dresses with like long socks and probably a big chunky cardigan and boots or something because i usually write at cafes so i have to look somewhat presentable 
Um, I like it. What about your favorite snack while you're writing? Ooh. Okay. Um, I go to this one specific cafe that's a mile from my house and it's owned by this wonderful couple and the woman, Hey, make the wife, she makes everything from scratch and she makes these delicious Korean egg buns, which are like a beautiful dough. Um, I forget what they're called in Korean. I'd have to look it up for you. But in the traditional Korean egg bun, it's like a hard boiled egg in the middle. She does egg salad in the middle, which I love. I know not everyone does. I love it. And so I get like this like hot, like delicious Korean egg bun with my cup of coffee and it's perfect. Well, sounds perfect. Okay, Danielle, I'm going to ask one more and then you're going to get the final one. If you Got could it. travel anywhere, no matter what the cost and everything, you can just go wherever you want to, where would you go? Oh God, that's such a hard question. How dare I've been, I've been, I've traveled a lot. I'm a Navy brat. I've been to well over 35 countries. Uh, I would. <clears throat> okay. First thing that comes to mind is honestly, I would go back to the UK. I fucking love it there. I love the UK. Yeah. I love the food in the UK. A lot of people don't say that, but I fucking love the food. The food is really good. The British food gets a bad rap, but honestly, like who dislikes comfort food? Cause that's what British food is like. Hello, potatoes. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree 100%. I agree. Okay, Danielle, final question. Favorite uh, book to movie TV adaptation? Jurassic Park. Yeah, a lot of people say that, and I don't fucking agree to, with that at all. Yeah, a lot of people don't, but I I think it's because they I saw the movie first. Is the first, the first Jurassic Park? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. see, they took a movie, a book that was not a children's book by any stretch of the fucking imagination, and they made it into a children's movie. And FYI, in the spirit of things, that that is not what happens in the fucking book. No, it is not. But I did see the movie first and when I read was the book. 11 or 12, and I loved the movie. And then, and then I read the book a couple of years later and I also loved the book and they are different, but because I still loved the movie. I think when you see the movie first. Oh no, I think the movie it's, it's is better. brilliant and it's beautiful and it got everybody loving dinosaurs again. And it's, don't get me wrong. I think it's great. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's the book. You know, like it took the name of the characters and stuff, but like a lot of people don't realize, spoiler alert, the dinosaurs are off the fucking island, which is what starts the entire people showing up at the island to go, what the fuck is happening? Because babies have died in Costa Rica because more than the comfies are off the fucking island. Yes. And they figure this out. So yeah, yeah. That, that is that. Yeah. The book is they're They're both, it's worth a watch and it's really worth a read, but as far as, because it is an adaptation, that's my favorite. Um, another, well, Lord of the Rings, that I, I feel that's a good, I, the, the uh, Peter Jackson version, mm -hmm. you know, the trilogy there. I feel like that was a really, that, that's my, my, second, my second one, probably. There are so many, I, yeah. I don't know. There, a lot of the adaptations are just like, make you so sad and angry and blah, uh, but yeah, there, there are some really good ones out there. So, and I, you know, we, one of our previous co-hosts, um, Chelsea said it brilliantly that if you treat the movies as if they're fan fiction from the books, you'll be in a good place. That's a wonderful way to put it. 
because you'll never get everything from a movie into a TV show or, a, you know, I mean, a, the book to movie TV show. Okay. Shameless self-promotion time. Let's talk about again where your books and where to find you and where to find your books. So where to find me on social media, um, Instagram at Hollis Joe McCullum, and then my website, Hollis Joe McCullum author.com, my YouTube channel, Hollis Joe McCullum comma author. Everything is under the same name so that you can pretty much find me all the time. So, you know, that's a market marketing tip for anyone trying to build like a little a little thing. Uh, my LinkedIn, again, the same. <laughs> so um, everything is basically under my pen name. And then my books, To Save a World, uh, which the re-release will be coming in um, late spring, early summer, but uh, that's available presently on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com and basically wherever books are sold. Uh, Goodreads is a, is a great, great place to find it and find the retailers. My second book, uh, Spare the Swallow, which was released October of 22. That is out also Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. And, you know, they're both on the Ingram list. So if you just want to go to like your local independent bookstore and be like, I want this one, they can order it for you. And then you support your local bookstores too, which I like to do. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Very cool. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. It has been wonderful having you. I loved it. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you. And I, I that blackberry wine does look tasty. I might, I might have to go, go look just, up some, some of that stuff. Brilliant. Yeah. A lot of these fruit wines are way too sweet. Like I feel like they just fucking add sugar to it. Yeah. It's it's, just juice, yeah this is not way too sweet. It's pretty, it's a fruit table wine. It says it right on the label. Um, I don't know what the fuck a table wine means, but whatever. It sounds brilliant. Don't all the glasses go on a table? Never mind. I, I seriously, it's on a table right now versus a fruit floor wine or something. I'm sure there's a technical thing. Somebody can post us about it. It's fine. Then we'll figure <laughs> it out. Guys, this has been Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs Edition. I have been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been the amazing Danielle M. Orsino. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, leave a comment. Our guest has been Hollis Joe McCollum, and we will see you next time.